midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have our co-host Logan Stump. How's it going? And Matt Hartgrove, who never walks alone. <laughs> hey there. And we are going to be breaking down the Europa League final and the Champions League final. And just a small preview of the Community Shield, which is next Saturday. And that is what we are covering today. Uh, so let's just jump right into it here. The Europa League, Sevilla beat Inter Milan 3-2. I think we had the score lines right. We just had the wrong team. Me and Matt chose 3-2 at least. But we chose Inter Milan winning that. It looked pretty good from the start. Lukaku penalty early, five minutes in. Then uh, De Jong scores twice in the 12th and 33rd minute. God, uh, Godin equalized in the 36th. And that unfortunate Lukaku own goal in the 74th minute uh, that gave Sevilla the win. Uh, what was your thoughts, Matt, on how Sevilla played? Did they impress you at all, or did Inter under underperform? Ooh, good question. Um, honestly, I, I I think both teams played up to their level. Uh, I. I do think Sevilla got very lucky early. I hadn't heard of the double jeopardy rule, as as you mentioned, because I, I do think the penalty at the start was definitely, a, I would have said it's a red card, a straight red, because that was a goal-scoring opportunity. He was the last man. It was pure red card, but I, since it was a penalty, you were saying that he couldn't do that. Um, after that, honestly, Sevilla definitely stepped up. I thought after Inter scored the first goal, that it might start to become a little bit of a, a one-sided affair. So with Sevilla scoring the next two goals, I think they kind of just proved, one, they're something about this competition. They're just the best team to ever play the Europa League, apparently. Um, but they, they played really, they did play up to their level of standards, and I do think that Inter did as well. Even the own goal, I don't see it as it was anyone's fault especially with how fast everything happened between the bicycle kit from Diego Carlos. It was just so fast that I don't, I, you know, Lukaku reacted as he should, and it just unfortunately went in. But really, I, I, I feel both teams played up to what they can do, and it just showed that Sevilla was definitely the better. I, I just feel Sevilla was the better team in the end. They had a little bit more of an opportunity toward the, the second half, and you know, they just seemed to know, they seemed as if they just knew how to, to finish it. I don't know exactly if 
finishing a final is a legitimate statistic or skill, but you can see teams and players do it in every sport and they figured out how to do it with this, with this competition and they deserved it. Yeah. So for people that don't know what uh, he was referring to with the double jeopardy. Cause I also uh, don't know what I was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> before, uh, and I guess really it was almost like a triple punishment uh, cause you would get a red card, the penalty and the suspension due to the red card. What they have decided to do is, you know, if it is an, uh, an actual attempt on the ball, and that is clearly just in the hands of the ref's decision at that point, then it would be uh, just a yellow and a penalty if it's a foul. Um, if he had ruled that as not actually playing the ball and it was a serious foul or violent condu- uh, conduct or a deliberate handball, he would still be able to give a red card for that offense. So, see, um, and I, 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 I don't think he was playing the ball though. He really just collided into the back of him. He was just, I, to me, that was pure stopping a goal scoring opportunity, and it it fits every bill in my mind as a straight red card. I, if that had been outside of the penalty box, if that was say it was somewhere just right outside of it, or even if it was a little closer to midfield, but he was the last one. I personally, I believe that should have been a straight red. Yeah. And I think that's where this rule uh, kind of puts it in the ref's hands. And I think a lot of times when, and we'll get into that again later with the champions league final as well, but even though it maybe shouldn't affect the decision-making of the ref, I feel like a lot of times when the ref is, in a final, they don't want to be the one making the choice or, or the one making the, you know, the big decisions or they're more lenient because they don't want it to completely change the game. And with that being five minutes in, I think he's like, okay, maybe he was playing the ball. I think at that point he's giving himself the benefit of the doubt too so he doesn't have to go red. And then immediately cha- that changes the whole concept of the game and we'll get into that with the champions league too because there's another there's another shout there that uh people were asking for uh logan you were riding the inner hype train this uh this whole season uh pretty much um what were your thoughts on how inner played in the europa league final and uh should conte stay or go and as we're going to be talking about here in a second right so so uh, i have been hyping them up and like I said, I had seen them kind of finish out Serie A, and they've just been playing so well as a side. And coming out of that break, they had, had great momentum going through the whole tournament. And then, you know, they get to this last game, and I just think that Sevilla just has that. Like Matt said, it just seems like they have that will to win this with with this competition. I was impressed with the way Inter played. I mean, I think going forward, I think they look like the most dangerous team uh, in Serie A, uh, unless you know Juventus is able to put some some stuff together. Um, but I really, I really would. I mean, and, you know, with the whole Conte thing, I think that it it could get interesting because it does seem like he had a lot of success after the break. Um, I would say that, that they had been playing so well that it would be really hard to just get rid of him. Um, but I also don't like the comments he's made. Um, and I know we talked about that as, as a group on our text message, that the way that he was kind of, you know, playing as if he was the victim. Um, it just, I don't know, a really weird feeling after that game uh, and a game that 
seems so heartbreaking for for Inter. It doesn't seem like it's going to end well um, for the Italian side. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what their future holds. I don't know if they're going to be replacing a manager here in a couple week window um, of trying to get everything settled and getting underneath it. A new system of play. I think you're going to see a lot more. That's what I was talking to Matt when I went. I was over watching the Champions League final with Matt, and I said that think about how tough it's going to be for you know all these sports that have these real tight windows um, without preseason or much preseason, um, without all these friendlies, without all these training camps that they're used you know normally used to going through. It should be interesting to see you know how the how the pieces fall. But I mean, I was really impressed with Enter. Um, Sevilla just was the better team that day. Um, I think, you know, looking back and looking at the tournament, I think Inter had a, a really good run. Um, so I would not hang your heads. I would, you know, be pretty proud of the the performance that I put together, especially after finishing second um, behind Juventus this year and, and really looking like a threat going forward. But again, I think what you said, Jordan, I think it's interesting that you have all the success after the break of, of COVID and then People, people are turning around and gunning after their, after their managers for, for just a little bit of a stumble. So it should be interesting to see what happens. Like, like you said, Conte has been saying some stuff like he, he, you know, complaining about, you know, never getting, you know, enough money. It feels like with the transfers and stuff, he, he said the same type of stuff with when he was at Chelsea. And uh, I mean, they brought in so many players for him for this inner squad I don't think he really has the right to complain. He was only one point off of Syria. Ah, I think he probably thinks that he needs some more to get there. But, you know, Juve is releasing Higuain and, oh, uh, Kadira, Sammy Kadira. So, I mean, that's going to weaken them a bit. I'm not sure if they're going to have enough time to really bring in anybody. You got a coach that's never coached before in Pirlo. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that situation plays out. If I'm Conte, I think I, I stay and try to nab a Serie A title. And, you know, uh, I mean, it would have really helped him if he had uh, won this uh, cup. But I, I I think he would have still been saying the same type of thing if he had won about, you know, not being happy and almost uh, having to speak another time about uh, if he's going or staying. Let's move on. As Matt alluded to, Sevilla is now six-time winners of the Europa League. That's like three in the last five years, or whatever. It, it was a it's a big stretch um, of time recently where they've just been far and away a really good team at the Europa League stages. Moving on, let's move on to the Champions League. Um, this is probably the the lesser game in t- in terms of excitement, but is the bigger trophy. So we will break down this one. Uh, all of us got this wrong, I think, in scoreline. I think we all had high scoring games. This was a one nil game that we just got done watching about an hour and a half ago. Bayern Munich beat PSG one nil. The way that I have this, let's just kind of go through it here. Bayern started off very hot in the first 10 minutes. Uh, They were pressing very high, and PSG was having very large issues with playing out of the back, it felt like, very early on here. Matt, what did you think of the the start of the game? I, I thought it was a little sloppy with, I guess, the way that PSG was just losing possession with the press, but you have Liverpool who plays that same sort of style. Did this remind you of kind of how... They start off games hot and heavy. 
Uh, I mean, they they do start out pretty pretty much pressing. I, I get yeah, hot and heavy would be the way. I don't know why I felt weird saying that, but um, they do they do start out that way. But I will say they're much more organized with it. In general, when Liverpool start a game, they're going to dominate it while they press. They don't tend to play sloppy. Whether it's that's Liverpool's game style is playing through the back, so they're always going to they're pretty consistent with it. Um, but in, in general, I, there wasn't anything I felt PSG did at the start that made it seem as though they were going to put their footprint on the game anytime soon. Uh, I even with especially with how Bayern played against Lyon, there you saw Lyon have a couple of big opportunities early on. And I didn't really feel like. You saw that a lot with PSG, especially at the start. Uh, they had a few opportunities much later in the game, but in the beginning, it just kind of felt both teams were trying to see maybe how they were playing, see if there was a specific style or game, any type of game style that they were going for. Uh, so really, it just felt like both teams kind of testing the waters. And I, I PSG just didn't seem as though between the two teams, PSG looked the ones that were definitely a lot more nervous than Bayern was. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. That you know, I think this is where I what I didn't really account for. You know, we were accounting for when when we were talking last time. I was, you know, we all kind of talked about how um, Bayern was letting some of those chances to Leon, uh, and I thought that PSG would be able to punish them for it. They still did get those chances, but Bayern was very good defensively. I don't know how many times Mbappe took a shot, but there's literally a defender like three inches away from him that just blocks it instantly. And so, th- so they weren't able to, you know, put away those chances. And I feel like that's where the big game stuff comes from. Yes. Mbappe was in a world cup final, but I'm not really speaking just to him. I'm speaking to the whole team where, you know, this Bayern team, have been in a lot of these players have been in these finals before for the Champions League or have been in other big game situations like Germans winning the World Cup in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I will say, yeah, go ahead. I will say that you could tell pretty early on just how impressive Kimmich and Davies are between instead of the the center backs, Boateng and Alaba, I, I honestly was very impressed with what Bayern was able to do on the wings defensively, which I know definitely plays a bit of a role, especially with Neymar and Mbappe, more Neymar, I guess. But I, I did think there was a good shot you could catch Bayern down the middle. I know CDM-wise, Thiago, from what people were saying, I, I didn't see it as much, I feel like, or as much as I would like to, but... The, the center backs to me and Bayern just didn't stand out at the start. So I did think if PSG had a, a moment, it was at the very start to try to go down the middle and beat them with speed because I, I didn't see it from the center backs early on. Yeah, I see what you mean. And, and good shout at Davies because, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't really played in any big games. Uh, he's really, you know, when we look at Canada – they're, they haven't really been on the international scene that much. And when you look at him as Vancouver Whitecaps, they, uh, I don't even think they made the playoffs really when he was on the squad. And, you know, he just really started playing for Bayern 
later in the season, you know, like er, later in the fall, that uh, the way that he was so composed at such a young age and on a big stage like this was, he looked more comfortable on the ball sometimes than Neymar, who, you know, dribbled it out of play that one time, which was uh, when he was trying to do some sort of turn or whatever he was doing. So, I, th- but PSG did grow into the game. We like we talked about. He had they had tons of first half chances. Neuer was really great though too during the game. He's probably my MVP of the game. Uh, now let's get to the controversy. There was a Kingsley. I think it was Kingsley Coman, right? Who went down in the box uh, yeah, at yeah. the end of the first half? I thought it wasn't a penalty. Uh, you had Michael Richard saying it was. Uh, we had. Uh, in our text thread, I think both of you guys thought it was a penalty. Uh, let me just explain my perspective on this. Uh, soccer is a sport where I feel like you can have some contact. It's some contact. I think there was some touching. I don't think there was a lot of pulling. And really, when I look at it, and what I think what the ref looked at it was um, kind of the way Jamie Carragher broke it down later uh, about how you know he didn't end up actually like touching or tangling with the legs at the end there where you know Coman keeps going even after some of the touching and then he starts there's like this weird angle of it from the back where I really feel like he's already sort of losing his balance and at that point you know I forget who it was for PSG but they you know they're already kind of hands off at that point and then he continued falling and then the PSG player fell as well. And uh, for me, not not really a penalty. I thought it would have been harsh to give that. But kind of 50-50. This ref is actually apparently very known at, for calling lots of penalties. And I think this is where, as we talked about the Europa League final, where it kind of comes into play that, that big game moment where they don't want to be the deciding factor of the game. And I think that's why he kind of waved it off. Uh, it, it, you know, it does surprise me that they didn't even really VAR check it uh, since you have it, but they say clear and obvious, but if I, I guess it depends on what's clear and obvious, right? That's where we always kind of run into problems with clear and obvious because, you know, like 66% of this, podcast saying it's a penalty and 33% saying it's not that uh, and you have a lot of people on Twitter that were very split on if it's a penalty or not that I I think it's a good choice that it went didn't get called I feel like 50 50 I would rather it not get called than get called Um, but uh, what do you think Logan I know you were kind of more debating it as you saw more replays of it and such but uh, where do you land on it now? Uh, that it's kind of pointless anyway, since it, it didn't seem to matter. Yeah. So, um, and Matt and I were like, Matt and I, when we saw it initially, we both thought that they were going to call it quickly, um, just because, like, what you said, the contact. Um, now, when I saw the second replay, and I think it was the same one you were talking about, Jordan, where you where he said he's kind of falling down anyway it did look like the arm was like wrapped around him and he was trying, it almost looked, it was weird. Cause like now that you say that and then you, you know, say that he's off balance, I started to watch like, was he, you know, was he falling off balance? And then that's what it looked like. And then, you know, as he's going down, that arm comes around him and it was like, almost like he had pulled him back. Um, but again, like I, I like, I do like that they didn't really call it because again, 
you really do you don't want a call and we didn't know then um that call could have really changed the outcome um but uh, again i think when you look at it more and the more i watched it i watched it a couple more times it is a little harder to tell whether he's just losing his balance and coming down you know because of the contact or if he's coming down because he's just losing his feet or you know and i and then i think you're as a as a person that is an attacking person, I think once you get to a certain point, you you try to sell it that it was um, more contact than what was actually needed. Um, so it was tough. It was a toss-up. I, I think initially my first thoughts were like, yeah, that's definitely a penalty. But I think the more I watch it, the more conflicted I get with it just because of what you're saying. And I think that's what Barr probably saw or, or you know, anybody that was going to look at it was going to see that he it just wasn't clear and obvious as to what caused the feet to go out from under him um and does that arm really make enough contact and is, is there enough strength on that to pull him down it's really tough like <laughs> yeah it initially looked like it was but but the more i do watch it the more I, it, it is conflicting i'm still gonna weigh on the side of that it, it i probably would have called it had i been in that position but again i guess that's why they don't pay me to call the calls uh, before we get to you, Matt, and, and your interpretation of it, I do also want to say I think one thing that might play into it too is uh, by the time he falls down, he's almost at the sideline, like the end line. And, I, and a lot of times at that point, I think refs might think that any sort of – there was no attempt on goal at that point. Like all he would be able to do is pass it, I guess. So, I, again, I don't know if that would have anything to deter – the ref from calling it but matt your thoughts on the penalty shout at it was like literally the last minute of the first half yeah i i'm still i still believe it was a penalty now watching the replay again it's he he beats the defender and he is he's obviously inside the penalty area and i think the moment he beats the defender it immediately becomes if the defender can't cleanly get a hold of the ball I'm usually of the opinion that it should be a penalty especially with putting your hands on the attacker does he look like he could have been falling down it's possible but we've seen penalties called for similar scenarios as this and you know he even looking at it right here just kind of pausing it he he looks when the defender's arm is on Coleman's shoulders He's not in a moment of falling down. He is still running, and his arm's on the shoulder for a few seconds here. So does he have a little bit of weight or momentum that leads him to the ground? Sure, but I I don't think it was – I don't think he goes to the ground if he is not getting held by the defender. I think he goes to the ground because of the defender, not with the defender just kind of being there. And to me, after seeing that and seeing it again – I still think it should be given a penalty. I, I The moment he beats him and the fact that that arm's on the shoulder for that lengthy, extended amount of time, I don't believe him falling had anything to do with... I don't believe that he falls if he's not getting held. And to me, if that's the case, then I, it looks like a clear-cut penalty to me. And so then we get into halftime. We get out of the second... Uh, we get the second half started... I feel like Byron was very strong right after half as well. And about 59 minutes in is when uh, former PSG player and uh, Frenchman Kingsley Coman scores uh, a wonderful header that was a great pass from Kimmich to give Byron the only goal of the game. 
And for me, I felt like this goal came at the best time if anybody was going to score because it was starting to get a little, uh, not boring, but it was it was starting to get to a point where not much was really going on in the game. And then Coman scored. And then I felt like that had PSG having to actually attack. You know, PSG was starting to really sit sit back. So if you look at the possession numbers, they only had like 30-some percent of the possession uh, in the game. Um, this, this was a wonderful, uh, goal. Not really who I would have thought would have scored the game winning goal. Something I guess I did kind of predict or uh, say that I would be worried for if I was a Bayern fan was the fact that Lewandowski has not scored a meaningful goal in this champions league, uh, knockout stages since the, uh, resumption of the champions league. He had some great chances. Uh, you know, there was that one where he did a great turn in the first half uh, to get a nice shot on. He had a nice header that was a nice save by Kaylor Navas. Uh, but then I felt like I didn't really see much of uh, Lewandowski in the second half. And really, I felt like none of the big stars really showed up to play that much in this game. Like, well, none of them showed up on the score sheet, really. You know, it was all... Uh, you know, Kingsley Coman, uh, who nobody had, I don't think, winning the Champions League for for Bayern Munich. And and what a great choice for Hansi Flick, because usually Perisic has been playing in that role to start the games, and Coman has been coming in later, but he kind of reversed it this time, and I think it worked very well in his favor. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the game, any thoughts on the goal, Logan? Yeah, it was... <laughs> That pass was beautiful. Like I, it was one of the ones that he sent in because there was multiple guys in the in the vicinity of where he was where he's placing it. But it, it still, I mean, because I think I think when I looked when I when I was watching the replay, it looked like it was more intended for the guy that was in front of Coman. But like just the placement of it, let alone, um, was just absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think like as you watched as you watched the second half, you just felt you felt that the better team was going to come out and, and, and win. And when you're 0-0 at halftime, the better team's going to come out and, and really show what it's got. And it was easily Bayern. I mean, it just felt like it felt like PSG had some opportunities quickly in, in the first half. But after that, it kind of was Bayern all the way. Um, it just seems like they had control, and it just seemed like the better team. And like you said, um, uh, you can. I would just listen to last week's podcast, and I had just gotten home, and I was listening to the part where you were going on about Lewandowski um, not scoring any meaningful game or goals, and it does almost come back to bite him, um, which I think is really interesting, just because you know what's that say going forward? Because um, you know you got some players that are rumored to be leaving um, Germany, and I think the best, my opinion, my opinion, the MVP of the game was. Tiago, there were there were plays that he, you know, nice passes that he put through, um, and he just seemed pretty dominant. And I'm like, wonderful, Liverpool's going to get to add him soon. Um, so I, I think, you know, looking at Bayern, they were just a better team, and that goal was just it was perfectly executed, like a better side would, uh, and pull out the victory. And um, again, I think that there is some concern with Lewandowski not scoring in those meaningful spots, um, but again, they're the champions, so. You know, that might not be as big of a concern moving forward. Yeah, I think they, I don't think they'll have any concerns next year. I think that this is just one of those weird seasons where I think he just wasn't really on form when they get to the end of this long 
kind of odd season. You know, especially with the German teams, they finished before the English teams again, and then they had a, a little bit of a break, and then they went back to the Champions League. So I'm not sure if that's something that is uh, causing a little bit of rust there. But I think now him getting some rest before they get back uh, get back on it, I think he'll find his form again. I don't think it's anything long-term for him. It's just, you know, uh, it worked out well for them that with him not really having his shooting boots on uh, these last three games, they didn't need him. That, that's just the embarrassment of riches that, that Bayern Munich have at this point. You know, eight goals against against Barca, three goals against Lyon, and then one goal that was able to give them the win here today. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Lewandowski or the goal from Coman before we move on? Uh, not, not anything really to add on. I was actually going to say that Kingsley Coman is, might be one of the most decorated footballers in all of Europe. If you look at the, the, award, the uh, tournaments and leagues he's won, this man has won... And the he has won the league on with PSG in 2013 and 14. And then he went to Juventus and won Serie A in 15 and 16. And then went to Munich and has won the Bundesliga the last four years. He has also won the uh, Coup de la Ligue, which is the uh, the tournament in France. Some I guess similar to the FA Cup, the Copa Italia. He's also won the DFB Pokal three separate times. And now he's also won the Champions League. This he's like a good luck charm at this point. And I I remember hearing about him when I started getting into soccer that he was this next generation amazing player. And I mean his stats aren't amazing. He's only for a winger. He's only scored nineteen league goals in all of this time frame. And he. Didn't play much with PSG or Serie A, but it's just like, this man's like a good luck charm in a sense. It's kind of crazy <laughs> to see everything he's won. But that it, honestly, I think that goal was more the pass by Kimmich than anything else. It was, it was a beautiful pass. And Bayern with, with Lewandowski, you know, he definitely struggled toward the end here, but they're just going to be more dangerous next year with Sané. Yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that they signed him from City too. So that's going to be uh, even more I actually, there. I remember he's worthless. I remember saying to, I remember saying to Logan. <laughs> I actually remember saying this to you. I was like, I was like, they signed somebody. Bear me to yeah. sign somebody. And I can't think of who it was. <laughs> and then shortly after you left, I was like, oh yeah, they signed Leroy Sané. And it's like. How in the world do I do? We just go. Oh yeah, Leroy Sane. Yeah. I think. Well, I think he because it's because he just disappeared with City. I mean, he just ghosted City. So, uh, and that's more Pep's doing than it was Leroy's. But Leroy's been a problem. With I mean, he was a problem. Who was he with Germany? His national club. Yeah, yeah. They had a big problem. They had a huge problem with him, and it bled over into Pep's reign, and and they never had a great relationship. But Matt's right. You add that to that mix. He's a good footballer. Don't get me wrong. And if they can keep him straight, oh my, <laughs> oh my. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be something for sure with them just adding even more firepower to their team. Um, so there was a a penalty shout for Mbappe kind of later in the second half as well. For me, that's not a penalty either. Uh, they kind of got clipped on the heel, I guess, but. Uh, I don't know. For me, there wasn't much really there. Um, 
either. Any any thoughts on that before we move on to the next the next part of the game? Yeah, it wasn't close. <laughs> it was like, oops, click boots with you. Sorry, it wasn't anything. It's the same thing. And I'm telling you, I can't stand. I'm sorry for anybody that's out there likes Neymar. Um, but that 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 stunt he pulled, it reminded me of when he did that. What was that? That was what World Cup was? I think it was in Brazil um, that he did that. When he, when somebody, it was almost the exact same thing where he kind of like it looked like he did, somebody stepped on his foot and it was like you shot him. Um, he did the same thing this last time. He like rolled around on the ground, um, and then you go back and watch. And I think it was Alphon uh, Davies. I think when he, it's like he stepped on it, but he didn't come close to him. Just rolled around on the floor when somebody to feel sorry for him. Which I think he's got a big problem with too. Um, just I was looking at some of the tweets and stuff, and he touched the championship, tro- the trophy, before he walked off. Um, and I think he's just he gets to a point where he just feels sorry for himself, um, and it gets old. Man, any last thoughts before we move on to uh, the last part of the game here? No, I'm all I'm all good there. I got no, nothing else. I think the last thing of this game that we should really talk about is that last chance at the very, like, uh, in stoppage time. Topu Motang? Yeah, his little oh, heel flick know. that uh, he didn't, I don't even know if he touched, but um, no. <laughs> that's what he was trying to do. Um, <laughs> His favorite player. <laughs> Topu Motang. They could have, uh, they, he, uh, they could have you know, paid me to do that. Neymar crossed the ball, I think it was, into the box for Chopu uh, Motang, and it, you know, it, it didn't – I don't really put it much on Chopu Motang. I put it more on the ball. The ball wasn't a very good pass, I don't think. It, it was kind of three yards to the left, I think, of Chopu Motang. So, you know, he stuck a foot out. He just didn't even get any contact on it. But really, I thought Neymar and Mbappe had a very tough time getting involved in the second half of the game. As you can see at times, how far back they would have to, they would have to drop back to even start getting touches on the ball. Uh, to, to start trying to bring it forward. I think they had some chances at the very near the very end of the game where they started looking okay, and then just not much really came from it. But yeah, Bayern Munich win the treble. It's their first treble since 2013. Only Barcelona and Bayern Munich have won trebles in multiple seasons. And Bayern Munich are also the first team to win the Champions League without a loss. 100% record. 11 games and 11 wins. Uh, part of that is because there's, you know, only one leg in the, you know, uh, in the, um, in these quarterfinals and semifinals, oh, not quarterfinals, uh, in, in the semifinals and the uh, final. Because uh, typically you could lose a game and still win if you had won the other game by a larger margin. So, that was completely taken out of of this equation, so they pretty much had to win their games, or else, you know, they couldn't. But you know, even it's impressive without even losing any in the group stage or anything. They, you know, they went out there with a hundred percent record. Uh, they're six-time winners. Only AC Milan and Real Madrid have more. AC Milan have seven Champions League uh, wins, and I mean trophies, and Real Madrid have thirteen trophies uh liverpool are also on six as well so let's move on to the next part of it here what does psg do now right before we got on recording 
there's a report saying that PSG may replace Thomas Tuchel with uh, Allegri. So I guess we'll touch on the coaching part, but also what? Do they go out and get a Messi or Ronaldo, or should they try to invest in some youth? Uh, to, you know, because as they said on the broadcast, really just this isn't like a basketball you know, team where you can just kind of add one player and then that instantly puts you over the top. This is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's 11 players on the pitch plus some substitutes that really have to be all bought in as a team and contribute. Logan, if you are PSG and you are the Katori Sports Investment Group or whatever they call themselves, are you sticking with Thomas Tuchel? You going to get somebody else? Are you getting a Messi and Ronaldo, or are you putting it with something else? Because for me, Thomas Tuchel is the one that got him to the final. Uh, they've never even gotten that far. They've always underwhelmed. I think he deserves another shot at it for sure, uh, especially with Allegri. You know, didn't really win Juventus a Champions League either, so I'm not really sure why they would lean towards that. Yeah, I think. I mean, Matt and I were laughing about this right now, or not right now. Um, we're, we, yeah, Jordan, we got an extra chat going. Um, no, but uh, we were laughing about it watching the game because, uh, you know, their league is, is currently started um, and you, you're you now in a weird spot where um, you can't really, like, it's such a weird year. I just don't feel like you can replace a coach right now. And if you do, you're going to have a weird um, learning curve uh, with any kind of system they put in. And again, because same thing goes with transfers. I don't think you can bring in one of the big names um, right away. And like you said, that's gonna, they're going to need more than that. And I, I was looking at it like, you know, Di Maria is, is a good player, but but I think there's a big drop-off from Mbappe and Neymar um, on the attack side of it. I just don't see – I don't see where – like PSG's played so well underneath him uh, better than they usually do uh, and outperforming any, you know, other seasons that they've had or any other uh, competitions and, and – you know, previous champions leagues. I just don't see why all these teams are like, you know what? We, we got to a final. Well, you should probably should just turn the page on this next, uh, for this next manager. I, I don't get the quick draw. Uh, and then you got city over here. Who's going to sit here and keep pep until he dies. I, I just don't understand the need or, or the want to move on from him. Cause I do feel like, like what you said, I feel like they've, overachieved for for the successes that they've had and yeah they've got a lot of money so maybe you know go spend that and see what you can do with some youth uh, i don't think Messi's going to go anywhere um i just don't uh, the more the more i listen to it the more i just don't feel like a player of that caliber moves right now i just in this tight weird window that we're in um but yeah i, I think that psg needs to go out spend some more money wisely um get some more youth um, to help that attack and maybe shore up some of that defense, but honestly, I, I don't see, I don't see why you would want to move on, and especially with Allegri not having the, the success that maybe he wanted where he was. So, Matt, uh, you're in charge of PSG. What are you doing? You're the one that thinks that their coach doesn't matter. So, what what would you do? Uh, you know. It's, it sounds maybe it sounds a little bad. I I don't really think there's much they can do outside of a Ronaldo or Messi. I, I guess in a way, in a way, agreeing with Logan. It's just I do. I don't think another coach is gonna make 
a huge difference unless you've got somebody who has a different playing style or knows a way to handle a bunch of superstars together. Because right now, I, I see them as a team that can generally be a quarter finalist. If they get the right draw, they can get to the semis. If they get the right draw after that, it, you know, if they get the right teams, they can make it to the final, similar to this year. I do think that getting Atalanta on a one-game play and getting Leipzig on a one-game play, I, I think they ran into a good mix of what helps them get to the finals. But right now, unless they find, I mean, even they have Mbappe and Neymar, but they need somebody who's done it before that. I know Neymar has done it, but I think they need somebody who has done it in a different manner, who's done it multiple times, who knows how to carry a team without having that additional superstar to show them what to do next. I do think they do fire uh, Tuchel because this is how these teams work. This, you know, they're expected to win league on. They're expected to dominate it. They're expected to play the way they did, but they hire their coaches to win the next thing, which is the champions league. So when you see a team not win it, I tend to think that's going to be a reason to switch the coach on their end. They're going to try to get the next coach that could try to win the champions league. So I do believe they will fire him, but I don't, I don't foresee any of this making any difference until they can bring in that Messi Ronaldo player because they do have the money. They're probably one of the few teams that could, similar to what Juventus has done, where the Juventus is trying to get over that that hump by bringing in Ronaldo. Maybe Ronaldo or Messi see it as that next challenge, but I I don't think without a specific styled coach who decides to build PSG the way similar to like Klopp building Liverpool he built them up into who they are which is why they are a dominant force in Europe and England now for PSG to do that they're either going to need to build into a system buy into it create a different type of team that isn't just a bunch of random superstars or random top echelon players or they're going to have to bring in Messi or Ronaldo and see if that's going to be the thing that brings them over the edge. Without either of those two, I think they're just going to continuously stew upon this, make it through the group stage. But if they don't get a team that, you know, honestly, if they would have faced Bayern earlier in the, the tournament, they would have been out. If they would have faced Man City, I, I fully believe Man City would have beat them. If they would have faced Liverpool, that had been the draw of 16, I think Liverpool runs through PSG. So they just don't, they don't have what it takes to get past it without one of those two. What I, what I was going to say is that I, I think it'd be very harsh to get rid of, of, of Tuchel at this point. You know, like you said, Matt, it's really all about the draw. And if you're going to go with Allegri, he was a two-time runner-up with Juventus in the Champions League. Okay, well, Tuchel's already a one-time runner-up with, with PSG. Like, it wouldn't make any sense to, for me... Going there when Allegri could get handled a very bum draw, and then what you fire him too, and then what you go to a different manager. Like, how many times are you going to cycle through these managers, and then what do you come back around to somebody? Like, I, I think if you got to the final, you have to think you can get to the final again with that coach. 
almost the same way Liverpool did. You know, Liverpool the next year are there lifting the cup after they lose to Real Madrid. It just wouldn't make any sense to to just be like, you know what? It, it's time. To, yeah, they might have lost earlier if they had drawn Bayern earlier, but you could say that about any team if they had, you know, if they if Chelsea hadn't drawn Bayern, could Chelsea have won the Champions League? Maybe. Yeah, we don't really know. So, I mean, it's all about the draw. And for, you know, I, I don't see why you, if you give Tuchel enough time, I think there's a chance if you give him enough time and you and you give him the players that you're going to strengthen the squad with, that you could come back and win this the next year or two. And instead of starting over with Allegri, who might come in and be like, you know what, I want to get rid of this guy, I want to get rid of that guy. And, you know your squad's depleted and he's bringing in his own guys and they don't play as attractive soccer. And then they don't even get close to it because they draw, you know, Byron in the round of 16 next year. You know, I don't know. It just wouldn't make much sense to me. Plus I think it like, and if you look at it, there are managers coming out next year, like Pep, uh, Pep's done off his contract next year. And that's always been a place that people have linked him to. Um, and then you got Messi, who would be off his contract at Barcelona. Should he not extend? So that's an intriguing thing. So, you know, maybe wait till next year and see how Tuchel does. And if same kind of results or, you know, they backpedal a little bit, um, then I guess you can make a justification for trying to go find somebody because I'm pretty sure Pep will be looking for somewhere else to coach next year no matter what. So, you know, I think that that adds to it, too, I think. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, exactly like you said. If you can make a deal with Pep, then maybe you you give Tuchel next year. What's the point of paying a whole nother manager for a whole nother year and then be like, well, we really want Pep anyway? And you know, like it just it would be. A, and then what would happen if Allegri won it all? And then do you stick with him, or you're like, but we want it, Pep? You know, like it, right. it's a whole mess. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's move on to our preview for the Community Shield. Matt, you did your homework, I think, watching some of their friendly from, was it yesterday or today? That they had a friendly. Yesterday. Yeah, Liverpool versus Arsenal. That's 11.30 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, August 29th for the Community Shield. And uh, maybe we'll go some predictions here. I'm not sure. Uh, I never really thought about it. But... Uh, <laughs> um, what, 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 give us your scouting report on Liverpool. Liverpool, you said they had some injuries uh, that that might cause some issues. Yeah, they're they're dealing with a little bit of a an injury issue. They still have uh, Henderson is still out. He is not playing in the Community Shield. Um, he had his he got his knee injured uh, back at the end of the season, and that still hasn't fully healed. He's almost in regular training. Uh, Matip as well. He had a toe injury the first game back, and he's not. he won't be playing. Um, the other one is Oxlade Chamberlain. He is also out. He actually ended up with pretty much the same injury the other day as Henderson. Um, nothing torn, but definitely it, it's a more of a serious knee sprain. So he's out about 68 weeks. So Liverpool are pretty thin in that midfield area which does make the Tiago speculation a little bit interesting with him and Wijnaldum maybe going to Barcelona. But um, otherwise, I, I, it's going to be, especially with this type of year, I would, I'm going to say it's 
almost going to look as if it's a friendly. I think you're going to see a good amount of youth players as well. I know Liverpool have a few that are kind of considered to be close-ish to bench. Actually, uh, Curtis Jones is a midfielder who I actually think might end up starting the game for Liverpool, especially with these injuries. Uh, I could see him starting it. Uh, they got Nico Williams uh, right back, who is basically just going to be Trent's backup for the year. Uh, they got Harvey Elliott, who's a 17-year-old winger. He'll probably end up getting some playing time, as well as a kind of a new youngster, this center back. He's 17-year-old out of France named Billy Cumetio. Probably not saying that right, but he's, he's bigger than Van Dyke. <laughs> And that's and he ended up playing a little bit against Stuttgart on uh, yesterday, and uh, he looked really good. He, for a 17-year-old playing against, uh, and newly promoted, well, not newly in a sense of they've not been they've been in Bundesliga, but Stuttgart just got promoted, and he looked all right. Uh, he looked pretty good for what he was asked to do for about 20, 20 or so minutes, better than a few of their other youngsters, um, but. Liverpool looked to be their same happy teammate self. You know, it looked like they were going to probably go for a bike ride after it. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they looked pretty solid. I, I yeah. enjoyed watching it. I think, I do think the big sleeper on Liverpool this year is Naby Keita. Um, dealt with a lot of injuries his first few years, but after that pandemic break, he looked like their best midfielder. And he also looked really good again. And he adds just a different dynamic because Liverpool midfielders are very, they don't, they're not asked for playmaking ability. They're asked more to cover defensively and to win the ball back. But Keita kind of adds a little bit more of an offensive through ball type midfielder that they don't, they don't generally have. But as far as Saturday, I'm going to assume there's going to be a lot of subs if Klopp changes all of his first team, I don't believe, or if there is sub limit, I, I don't know. Jordan, is there a sub limit on the community shield? I believe so. I think it's, uh, I think it's the normal amount. I don't, know. I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's five. Six? It's five or six, I think. Yeah, I think so. So I, it wouldn't shock me if, if Liverpool bring in six subs at halftime and completely change the team. Cause they just, I, I, with the way the season is starting back up so quickly, I don't think either team's going to put max effort into this. But of course, if Liverpool wins, I'm going to consider it a trophy, and I'm going to be really, really happy and celebrate. Yeah, it's six. It is six. I just looked it up. Okay, uh, Matt, do you got a uh, a prediction for who wins that Community mm-hmm. Shield? I do. I am going to say is it's going to be three to nil Liverpool. Um, the last game against Arsenal, when it mattered, Liverpool outshot them 24-3 to and still lost 2-1. to So I think this game's going to even out everything that happened in that game. And Liverpool will just simply 3-0, just kind of go about their business and probably go for a nice little dinner and bike ride afterwards, just to anger Logan a little bit. <laughs> uh, I have 2-0 Liverpool. Logan, do you got any uh, prediction here? Yeah, I'm... Uh bike rides no um no i think uh city's played arsenal in this community shield arsenal seem to be the pros in this community shield uh competition um they've so the last over the last decade they were 2014 2015 2017 they just (laughs) liverpool's inexperienced 
if you will say. Uh, 2006 was their last one. Uh, I'm going to go with Arsenal just because it seems like no. they just own the. Yeah, your guys' Community Shield? The last Community no, Shield you guys they... won. Oh, one? I thought you said played because I was like, you no, 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 no. Liverpool last year. One, one. <laughs> No, one okay, one. Yeah, I have no idea. is more important than playing. So Yeah, winning it is more important, Matthew, remember? Because the other one says it's a preseason. Um, <laughs> I'm not always used to winning, so that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting new to this. Yeah, come on, dude. you got to get on our level. Um, so, no, the, the Arsenal, for some reason, they always play, they played City so well in this tournament or this competition. They're, they're good at FA Cups, and they're good at Community I, Field. I, I don't get it. Like, if it's got the FA in it, they're going to win it. Um, so I'm going to go with Arsenal, and I'm going to say it's 2-1. But I'm thinking because Liverpool, one, they're, they're just not going to play the, the full team, that they're the squad or side that they would normally play. And two, I think they'll come in a little bit uh, off their bike rides and happiness and love fest or whatever they were doing up there in the mountains together. Um, I'm going to say Arsenal wins at 2-1. How excited would you be, Logan, if uh, two Liverpool players got into it? Like, like. Oh. Unbelievably excited, like Balotelli <laughs> and Yaya Torre beating the hell out of each other. Yeah, uh, no, like yeah, I would. You know, I there, would be... there, there was a game. I believe it was two years ago where Mane got incredibly angry at Salah because Salah went for goal and not for Mane, who was open at the back post. And there was a a, a rumored uh, rift between the two of them. And Mane came out later in that after the game and just said, oh, I know how important goal differential is. But also just about three days ago, Liverpool had a table tennis tournament and the winning team was Salah and Mane. And I can send you the photo if you'd like me to. No, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, one other thing on Saturday as well at 10 a.m. Eastern time, uh, the first round, it looks like, of the EFL Cup starts it's Blackburn versus Doncaster, Preston versus Mansfield, Stevenage versus Portsmouth, and Stoke versus Blackpool. So I'm not sure if that's on TV anywhere over uh here in America, but those are four EFL Cup games. Uh as this weird season continues now or starts, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of this weird feeling of is it starting or is it continuing? Yeah, but isn't it cool? Like it, it feels like like it's August. It, it school's back. Like you know, fall's coming, and at least we've got Europe that behaved themselves during COVID to really root for. Because the United States is going to try to play some football, our version, and it's not going to go well. I don't think so. At least we'll have something to watch with fans. <laughs> yeah, it should be exciting. I guess uh, uh, tonight as well. What, what I'll be watching probably during editing this is Seattle Sounders versus Portland Timbers, big rivalry here in uh, the U.S. as well. Uh, uh, Julian Gressel, who plays for DC United, uh, former Atlanta United player, tweeted this this morning. I thought this was funny. Uh, he said, "See," and he's a German uh, as well. But he said, not often you wake up and the best two teams in the world play against each other. Seattle versus Portland tonight. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that when you retweeted. I died. I was like, that's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, That was funny. But um, I think that about wraps us up here today. Um, So uh, we'll probably jump on sometime next week to discuss that Community Shield. September 24th everybody is the uefa super cup and now we know exactly who is playing each other it's going to be sevilla versus 
Bayern Munich, which should be a good match. And we'll probably preview that as we get closer to September 24th. But uh, thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Kane has stolen him to death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.